0: Welcome back to the Short Force Saloon Podcast. My name is Joel Penfield, joined by Philip Slavin, as always. How are you doing tonight?
1: Uh, I'm doing well. I'm loving our new music.
0: Yeah. Love it. We, uh, we debuted a, a rough draft of it. My bad. I, I jumped the gun a little bit on uh, getting the intro music out there. Uh, Philip actually finished it, but he sent it to me about an hour after I had actually uploaded the episode, so uh, my bad on that.
1: Um, hold on. Yeah. Hold on. Let me give let me give proper do credit where it belongs. I did not make our music. Uh, my good friend, Adam, who makes all of my music, he makes the music for the 1012 podcast. He's made some music for some other friends of mine for their shows. Uh, I reached, he made our last tune. Uh, I reached out and was like, hey, we're going to change the name of the show to the Short Poor Saloon's uh, podcast. And I was like, hey, what I really want. And I went and like Googled the YouTube searched like, old timey, like saloon piano music. And I was like, here, do something like this. And he goes, Okay. And then he gave us that, and I was like, "Dude, I love you,
0: man." So, I, I wish I had to, that kind of creativity. Like, I don't, I don't have my, that in me at all.
1: Yeah, props <laughs> to, to Adam Michaels and his, uh, his prowess as a as a at home amateur podcast intro music DJ.
0: Whatever works, man. So, what as yeah. as is now tradition on this show? What's in your glass?
1: Uh, tonight, no no whiskey tonight. No whiskey for the sugar corn. However, I am drinking the last of my collection of, uh, of Iron Monk's Dilly Wheats, uh, picked up some whilst uh, visiting family in Oklahoma over the holidays, had to make a nice stop. I didn't buy as much as I normally do when we make family runs, when we come to town. And it was the first time we have been back to Oklahoma in like a year because of COVID. Um, and so normally I stock up and I was ready. I was like, I got, I got dollars to spend. And then I realized how much of a haul my girls got as far as Christmas gifts. I was like, I got I to gotta keep this simple because I'm literally not going to have room in the vehicle for anything. So I came home with like two six-packs from Oklahoma, which was disappointing. It's okay. I'll be back later this month because uh, I still plan, still want a trip for OSU, Arkansas. Um, still need tickets. Still looking. So if anyone's like, I have two tickets and I can't go, you, you hit me up on the DMs and we'll, we'll uh, to quote Wayne Brady, we'll make a deal.
0: And when you go to, and when you come to sell go to iron they sell pallets of, uh, of whatever, like can beer they have, you can get like six, six packs or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like on a pallet. It's pretty nice. I, like I have not done this beer. myself, but I have bought it for family friends that came in from Colorado a month ago. They're like, Hey, we want this. And I'm like, okay, sure. I can do that for you.
1: <laughs> very good. Very good. All right. Um, dude. Dude, dude, guess what happened? It beat Kansas. <laughs> Oklahoma State blew a
0: lead but didn't lose the game. You know, hey, hey here's the thing. Uh, this is a lot of my general thoughts about basketball season. And I'm going to have to bleep this out, but, man, the Big 12 is f- brutal. It doesn't matter where you are or who you're playing. I mean, we've seen it all season long. No matter, uh, this conference cannibalizes itself every year, and it's been taken up to the uptick degree this year because road teams are winning way more than home teams in conference play at this point.
1: Have you been uh, listening to my show?
0: Yes, but we've also talked about it on this show as well. I know things kind of run together for you, but we have talked about this on the show too.
1: Dude, it all runs together. I can't, I literally think that I have recorded things on a podcast and I've just had that conversation with myself in a car. Which is really concerning for my own like mental state. But I drive all of that a, aside.
0: Yeah, I, I drive around in a truck for work, like to and from the city most days. And mm-hmm. so I do the same thing. Like I'll think about what I'm gonna talk about, especially on days we record. I wanna at least have some sort of formulated thoughts. I'm not just word vomiting on a microphone, even though I do that anyway. And I was like, Oh yeah, I'd mentioned this and it was because I t- was talking to myself. But you know, you gotta have a conversation with the smartest person you know sometimes, right?
1: I like to follow the policy of of you, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room, which is why I never like being alone with myself.
0: That's uh, also fair.
1: And yet somehow I tend to be more often than not. It's not the, the best yeah. conversations. Um, so let's talk about this. Obviously, it's, look, it's a huge win. There's nothing you cannot take anything away. Oklahoma State needed this win. They were sitting at two and three in conference play. You had the nice win over Texas Tech, huge one. Uh, a win over Kansas State, congrats like <laughs> everyone, gets, it's literally Oprah handing out specials at the bottom of your chair, um, this was one they needed. And it's not like Oklahoma State's resume is bad, but you look at how they're playing, they're still young, they're getting better, but that, that improvement is coming slowly. And you were, you were inching on hitting the point of kind of like you're, it's too late to me personally, especially with the schedule, the way it is you get bedlam on Saturday. Um, obviously the the game at West Virginia on Monday that's been postponed due to COVID issues at West Virginia, then you get Baylor. Like you were looking at a stretch of going, if they had blown that game, there's a very good shot. They're sitting at two and six in conference play. And I just don't think you come back from that. Um, Which is why I think this is, this might, I don't, I don't like buying like this win changes everything and now they're going to go on a run. But I do think that, it emphasizes how important this win was—not not just to get this win here, not just because you beat Kansas, but because you got this win when you needed it over Kansas. Didn't let falling behind doom you like it has, and it just was a massive boost for the resume that really needed it.
0: Right, and we've seen it. it's been a roller coaster of a conference stretch so far. Oklahoma State's still sitting at nine and three. I believe, and three and three in conference play puts them by fourth or fifth. I don't know where exactly this is, but they're kind of at the top of the middle of the pack, basically. And we, they played well against Texas and then Blue lead. Oh, my God. It was like a 17 to 2 run. I think we, we've talked about that game. And then you go to Texas Tech, you're, you have a double digit lead there. Game ends up going to overtime. You eventually win. And then you play West Virginia. You have a 19 point lead in the middle of the second half. You blow that game, and that was just—I mean, that was just devastating. Because that's a—that would have been another marquee win. Check that box on the resume, and you're—you know—you're well on your way to making the tournament. You know, to making the tournament at that point. You know, that, thats just a, thats an awesome win to have on your resume. You go to Kansas State. That game is what it is. You play Kansas, and I just kind of had a feeling all day like this feels like a game Oklahoma State's going to win. I don't know what it is. I think also maybe because Bill Self is six and eight in Gallagher Iowa Arena as the Kansas head coach, which is wild. When you think about the success that he's had at that university, he just loves giving wins to his alma mater. Hey, I you know, appreciate it, man. Appreciate it. You
1: know, the university likes to give phone calls to alumni and say, How would you like to make a donation to your to your alma mater? And and self says, I will do so, just not in the way you think I'm going to. And that's how he gives back to his university. Um talking about resumes and things, um, the net rankings are up and uh, I had I had noticed something, uh, shout out to uh, Andrew Daddy at, at, at High Motor Pod and uh, with Hero, which I think got uh, bought by MJ. doesn't matter. Point is, he had done an article about teams with quad one wins and resumes and da da, da da And at the time, Oklahoma State had three quad one wins, which was one of the only seven teams that did it. Oklahoma State now sits among just four programs with four quad one wins. Oklahoma State is four and two in quad one games. Houston's four and one, Missouri's four and one, Gonzaga's four and zero. Oh. No one else has. There's plenty of teams with three. Uh, Minnesota's three and four, Kansas is three and three. So, so there's some threes. Uh, there's only, only one, two, three, four, five, six. One, two, three, four, five. Five teams with three. So there are nine teams with three or four quad wins. Oklahoma sits there at four and two in quad one wins. That is huge like these are mm-hmm. four incredibly quality wins the only blemish on your resume is a quad three loss and you know which one that is
0: yeah TCU.
1: TCU blowing a nine point lead the closer and really you look at the at, and it's frustrating when you look at things individually it's frustrating that you've blown leads to west virginia you've blown that you at a game you had you blow a lead the texas one doesn't bother me as much like texas is really good that mm-hmm. was early in the second half it's not like you it's not like West Virginia where you blew a 19-point lead. It's not like TCU where I think you had a 9-point lead with like two minutes to go and blew it. The Texas game, let's set that aside. And again, Texas Tech, kind of a similar thing. They, they, they held on and won. It's just frustrating when you look at that. I think the TCU one at this point, the West Virginia one's annoying because you had a 19-point second half lead. You shouldn't lose those kinds of games. The TCU one frustrates me because TCU's not that good. And yeah. you let a team—it it starts the same way it always is. You great non-conference, you start conference play, and you lose. And you were set up to start conference play well. I think at the further and further we get into this, that TCU loss continues to, uh, to quote, uh, "family guy," grind my gears, um, and is the one blemish on an otherwise. Let's be honest; it's a, it's a good resume. Like I understand oh, yeah. nine and three. Two of those losses are quite one losses. That's not going to hurt you at all.
0: Yeah, and. I mean, another big part of this too, they've won, they're one of the only handful of programs that have won five games on the road at this point mm-hmm. too. And one of those at Marquette, that's a good, they know that's a really good win considering some of the wins on their resume. You win a game at Wichita State. Wichita State's a little better than I thought they were going to be. They're playing pretty good ball right now. And then you go on the road at Texas Tech. Texas Tech, I, I haven't quite figured them out yet. I know you've talked about it on your show too. Like I just, I, I don't quite know, but going to Lubbock with the way Chris Beard has built that program, big win there too. Yeah. yeah. And even so, um, and even with limited um, uh, capacity, Kansas State's, I mean, that's a tough environment to play in. So at, at Brandledge, regardless, it's still pretty tough. When it when it's going, it can be tough. Um, and we've lost some weird games there too in the past. So when
1: when they have six scholarship players available
0: Yeah, but that on, was a like game that. you were going but it's the winning games on the road and winning games in the Big 12, like I measure it's tough. It's brutal no matter who you're gonna play because it's so it's such a volatile conference every year that the bottom of the big 12 was still decent in the grand scheme of college basketball.
1: Uh, so as your road quote, there are, there's one team with six road wins. UMBC is six and one on the road. There are three teams with five road wins. Chattanooga is five and two. Oklahoma state's five and one. Bowling green is five and one. There's a lot of four, but I mean, that just tells you a lot about Oklahoma state and, um, a lot about their resume. I think it's what's frustrating is they're sitting there in net ranking there and currently 34th, which isn't bad. Um, that's not gonna not get you into the tournament. You just like it to be better, and I think it it speaks to some of the teams they played this year just aren't very good. Um, you've got some wins again. Your where is it? Your you got your you've got your five and one and quad three and four you got six games, half of your resume, you have no quad two games. So half of your resume is built off of quad three and four, which don't really help you much. And and that's, what's really holding Oklahoma state. back. Now, obviously that's going to continue to grow because you're in the big 12 and you have another game against Texas, two games against Baylor, two games against Oklahoma. Uh, you've got Arkansas, like I said, coming up within the month. So there's plenty of resume building opportunities for Oklahoma oh, yeah. state, but this was a necessary one that they had to get because it, it, it there, there does reach a point in a season where it's too far gone. Um, so obviously, like I, I want to talk with you about this. And we keep talking about these blown leads, and you and I have texted back and forth on this. And I, I, let me let's just have this conversation. We talk about hoops on my ten twelve show because I love it, but I am far more the. Fan who sits back and watches and, and enjoys than I am with, with basketball and football, I can be a little bit more analytical with football because I understand the stats and and, and can this stuff a little bit better than I can with basketball. I can read stats, but I, I, some of it, I'm just dumb, I'll be blunt. Um, and I'm happy to admit that I'm wrong on things. So I, I want to pick your brain here. What do you think is causing youth aside, obviously youth? This has happened enough times now. This is a, this is a consistent problem for Oklahoma State blowing yeah. leads in second half of games. What do you think is is going on with OSU?
0: I know you just said youth aside, but you have eight guys on this team that were newcomers coming into this. Season. So there is a certain aspect of this that when you know it's getting late in the game and you maybe have unfamiliar dudes with you on the court that you haven't quite gelled with yet. You know there could be miscommunication. You know communication breakdowns on either side of the ball. Um, you know, just little, there are just little things on the court when you are playing with unfamiliar guys that it just, things may not click right away. And that can happen, especially with foul trouble, you know, getting tired, injuries, whatever the case is. And you can have a guy like Kate Cunningham that can just take the ball and go, but you still have four other guys on the floor that need to move and work and set screens. And then on the other end, they got to communicate, you know, you got to talk, you got to help and things can just break down in that fashion. And I think what we've seen over the last couple of games. I think the the Kansas game is a perfect example of okay, they knew they just blew the lead, but they didn't let it affect them. You could tell what kind of did at the end of the West Virginia game because there was still enough time left where they were like, uh, oh shit, you know, there was about two minutes left when I think that when West Virginia took over, and you know, it just you just never felt like Oklahoma State had a shot the minute that they blew that lead. But the timeout happens right after the. You know, was when Kansas 6 lead at 767. And you just never felt like they you you just felt like they were in control and they figure things out. They're figuring out how to win. And when you have that many freshmen and that many newcomers figuring out how to win together, it does take time. And sometimes it takes something as brutal as blowing some of these leads that you've seen to finally have everything click. And I think we're going to say to kind of exercise some of their demons with that game, being able to do it in regulation as well. They didn't need overtime against. Uh, against Texas Tech with a couple of guys fouled out to finally be able to, to go and get that win. But I think the biggest thing that I've noticed, and you know I'm no expert, but this is just what I, I believe at this point for this Oklahoma State team. And it's so funny because I mentioned youth, and you would think that maybe like more structure and more like a slower-paced game would help these guys get used to the speed and be able to you know, find and pick their spots. These are thriving chaos and speed and getting out in transition and wreaking havoc on the defensive end and it's flying around the court all 94 feet for 40 minutes when they can play at their pace and when they dictate the pace of the game which is frenetic, chaotic, causing turnovers getting to the bucket in transition they're really good and they click and it's awesome Um, I think part of that's also because they're not the best shooting team so they have to be able to get out in transition and get to the rack they're good shooters, not great Um, and we can talk about that a little bit later but in these last couple of games, I think specifically, and I would need to go back and watch it, but it felt like about halfway through the second half, when West Virginia started coming back, the game slowed down. And the pace of the game flipped back to what West Virginia really wanted to do. And the same thing happened in the Kansas game. Once Kansas could slow the game down, go that full 30-second shot clock, make Oklahoma safe defend for 30 seconds. And I know people don't want to give it a ton of credence, but truly playing hard man-to-man defense and even zone to a certain extent when you play zone correctly uh when you're not just standing there like a like an ass, just standing there waiting for them to shoot like you see zone defenses be a lot of times then you get tired very fast on the defensive end At least on the offensive end you can slow things down catch your breath and then go but on the defensive end when teams are making you defend for 30 seconds and they get up a shot on the end of the shot clock it's brutal and it's tiring and that happened. And that happened against West Virginia. It happened against Kansas. Kansas was able to get laid in the shot clock and knock down their shots on an, you know, an open look or a you know, slightly contested look where the defender wasn't quite on the hip anymore and you know, you had an open layup or an open shot. And then Kansas on the defensive end was able to, they played up above the three-point line and forced Oklahoma State to, so they were double, they were going triangle and two on Kate Cunningham and, which is hilarious. Um, and they went zone and forced Oklahoma State to shoot outside. And I think Oklahoma State's gonna have to find a way to defend that offensively. But they're gonna have to find a way to get the pace back in their favor quicker. And I think that's where some of these runs have come in. Like they a, they were down a 19 to two run uh, in the Kansas game last night. If they can continue, if they they need to continue to dictate the pace. And they have the guys to be able to dictate that pace. Kate Cunningham is a freakish athlete on both ends of the floor. Isaac Likely is awesome on both ends of the floor. Bryce Williams is a revelation for this team, and he is as I think he's better. Def- he's way better defensively than he is offensively, he's still a pretty good shooter and a good freakishly uh, athletic. Uh, side note: I need a K. I need a uh, Cam Griff, Bryce Williams dunk contest, like I need oxygen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, and, but,
0: might- and but I think the, the biggest thing is we talked about the length and the size this team has, uh, maybe not like height-wise, but at least they have the length and athleticism to be really good on both ends of the floor, especially in a zone, in a zone defense, and I hate zone defense. But they have the size, athleticism, and depth to be able to run like almost what Shaka Smart did at VCU, where it's press the whole game and just get right up in people's grills for 40 minutes, force a ton of turnovers, get out in transition, and go run. And when they can do that, that's when Oklahoma State's at their best. And that's what we saw in the first half of a lot of these games when they're able to get out to these big leads. It's because they're dictating the pace, they're forcing turnovers, they're getting to the lane fast and get forcing like the teams out of their comfort zone. Continue to do that. Don't let up on that. And with the minute because the minute you slip and the minute you let up, that's when the pace of the game can change. That's why people talk about basketball being a game of runs. It's that and teams and whichever team has the run is dictating the pace of the game. you got to find a way to flip that fast so you don't lose a 17-2 run or a 15-2 to run or 19 You You can't have that, especially with Oklahoma State being an inconsistent offensive team. You can't put yourself in that kind of deficit. If they can continue to dictate the pace of the game, the way they want to play, which is out in transition and wreaking havoc on the defensive end, they're going to be in really good shape. And I think that's their blueprint at this point.
1: So... Uh, a few few thoughts. First off, the point of – I said set aside youth. I don't think it's just about youth. I mean, this is a very young team. Uh, six of your top eight, like, minute-getters this season are freshmen and sophomores. But it's not just that. I mean, Flavors and Bryce Williams may be older, but this is their first year on this team. Really, the, right. the only true ho- – the only true, like, been here for a while is Isaac Likely. Everyone else is a freshman, a true sophomore. They just got here. Um Maybe you look at you know you look at the stats for the season. Look at the guys who have started games. Cade and I and Ice are the only two guys that have started all twelve games. Avery Anderson started five. Bryson started four. Moncrief started four. Caleb Boone started six. Keelan Boone started eight. Farron Flavors started seven. Kuma started two. Like you you've been dealing with this. Not everyone's even played every game. Chris Harris has only been to play one game. Like he's been hurt all banged up all season. Anderson's missed three games. So combination of a lot of different things. They've been trying to figure things out. So I, I agree. It's I think it's a very young team who's taking a while to get to jail because you had no you didn't have a full off season. You didn't have a full non conference like you know really will. I I think I think for OSU they're just now getting into where they would have been in it. Because think of this way you played six non conference games, right? You got one left over so you're gonna play seven. OSU normally plays a thirteen game non conference schedule. That is six games, six non-conference games they didn't play. This Saturday against Oklahoma, from a number of games standpoint, would be in a normal season the first conference game of the year. Yeah. I think all these other things also go into why it's why we're seeing them develop slowly. And it, It's a hard thing to think about. They're in they're just now getting to where they would normally be in conference play on the schedule. You wanted them to be there quicker. Hopefully, they're going to get to to playing well. Let's we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, to shooting. I want to call out, I, don't, I know I've talked about it on, on the Rock Chalk Talk podcast when I was there with my good friend, Annie Mitz, to preview this, this past Kansas OSU game. I think I've talked about it on my show. I don't know. You and I have talked about it. I've talked about this a lot. I love this. There's a Twitter account called Fifth, fifth Factor Plots. Um, it's a lot of, of college hoop stats, and they put a lot of, of splatter graphs and, and things of that nature. Well, they put one out uh, earlier this month, back on the fifth, and it was a, a quadrant graph. That was who takes good shots and who has good shooters. I love this graph. Like, I love this thing. It's so, it's so cool. And if you want a fun fact, Kansas is almost like dead center. Uh, Kentucky is the worst shooting, bad shot team.
0: <laughs> you just like, hate to see it, man. No, I love it. Couldn't, couldn't so, happen like, to a it. better program. Couldn't happen
1: there's various numbers of games that they've charted. OSU is on here. And I think there's a, I think their circles was like six or eight. This was back then. OSU falls in the bad shooters, good shots squadron, the quad. And it's really up in the good shots. It's very high in the good shots. It's, it's not, they're not terrible shooters, but they're not good shooters. I think it speaks to two things. I think it speaks to why OSU well, we know they're not great shooters, but the, the big thing for me, because I've had conversations about Mike and Mike Wayne. guys that, that tells you how well coached they are. They're not a great shooting team, but they take really good shots. That is, that is coaching. That is game plan. Okay. That that's really smart. And so I, I asked like, can you, can you uh, get some OSU breakdown? I wanted to get some more information on OSU and their quote was uh folks love running it right down the middle which i think we have seen this is a team that loves to go to the basket uh and you look at they they showed me a little chart and it's got all the dots where they like to shoot right they have shots around the arc of course because you shoot threes and they have a whole bunch of stuff inside the arc and outside the paint and they got a whole lot of stuff right there inside the paint do you know where they don't shoot the worst place for non-shooters to shoot inside the arc to the left and the right of the basket. Short no issue. Okay. Huh? Short so, Yeah, they don't they don't, don't. not outside of the arc, they shoot. And I think I sent you this pick. Yes. You did. But you see all their shots right down the lane. From yeah. from the arc straight to the basket is where they're shooting. And they're really, really good inside the free throw line, uh, just in this area. Like it's really interesting to see anything having seen this graph. And I, I hate. I'm, I'm usually talking about something that I'm looking at in an audio uh, medium. That's the best thing people love to do. So I'm gonna I'm gonna retweet this after the show because I'm gonna share this one like with the podcast on Twitter for those who who follow me on Twitter or follow us on Twitter. I want you to look at it. It's really really interesting. It's really really neat. And I think it fits with. It's not a great shooting team, but they love they love to run. They love to move. They love to go to the basket. Um, again, they're not great shooters, but Shots can fall, and when shots fall, and, and basketball is a sport of, of you know, runs that, that happens within seasons as well where shots are going to fall sometimes they're not. OSU is a team that takes good shots. They just aren't great shooters. Teams that take good shots are eventually those shots are going to fall, even if you're not the best shooter. So it is a positive to see for this team that they, are, they aren't shooting themselves in the foot from the standpoint of, the kind of, of shots that they are taking. There's nothing more frustrating than watching a team that can't shoot, try and jack up a bunch of long twos and, and inefficient shots. Like it's it's not good basketball. Um, this team doesn't do that, and I think that speaks to coaching. And I think it's full credit to and it's it's something I like to see.
0: Yeah, uh, I've talked about. I probably talked about this on the show ad nauseum for three years at this point. So I think this is our third basketball season that. Eventually, in basketball, shots are going to fall by accident. At some point. I mentioned that earlier in the season, <laughs> yeah. too. Like, and that's the thing. Like, that's the, that's the funny and frustrating part of basketball is that you can do everything right. Your form is perfect. Backspin on the ball. Everything looks great halfway down and out. You can put up the ugliest shot on the planet, a la the Yorane 3 against Kansas State, where he looked like a unicorn just floating in midair, and it went in. Like nothing about that <laughs> nothing about that shot should have gone in and it did. But you have Lindy Waters who would put up a her, I mean his, he had chef's kiss shooting for him and it wouldn't go in half the time. You know, that that's just the way basketball works. And it, as frustrating and volatile as the sport is, you know, eventually the pendulum's gonna swing back to kind of what we saw in the first half against Kansas yet last night. Where they were, I believe, eight to ten to start the game from three. Now I think they finished like nine of twenty-one, but that again, the pendulum swung the other way. So continue to take good shots. I'm okay with it. I'm a good. You can end. You can pass the ball. Great possession for 25 seconds. Put up a good shot. Shot doesn't go in. You still can feel good about that possession because you got the right look. You got the right shot. You everything worked. The shot didn't go in. You can build off that. So I, I urge fans. That think every shot should go in. One, you're an idiot because you obviously don't watch enough basketball to know that's not gonna happen. The best teams in basketball, in college basketball shoot between 45 and 50% a game. If I had to say if I had to guess what well, I don't have that in front of me, but I had to like rarely are teams going to shoot 50 to 55% consistently all over the course of a full season. So Philip, you're I know you're looking this up right now just to make me look like an asshole, like I don't know what I'm talking about. So I I'm just kind of shooting off the shooting from the hip here, but that's just kind of the way it is. And you're going to have possessions where you have a bad shot that goes in, and you have good possessions with a good shot that doesn't go in. The volatility of basketball is what makes it great, what makes it incredibly frustrating at the same time. So Help, help me out here. Am I According kind of off base here? According to NCAA stats,
1: this is blast last updated the 13th. Now I, I don't want to include teams that will exclude teams that are played by like fewer than 10 games, but Gonzaga is shooting 55.5%. Colgate okay. shoot um, Drake is shooting fifty. I'm sorry. Gonzaga shooting fifty-five. Drake shooting fifty-three. Murray State's got fifty-two point nine. UMKC shooting fifty-two. Michigan shooting fifty-two. Illinois is shooting fifty-one. There's it, it we get down we don't get out of the fifty percent until we get to Lehigh at twenty three. Okay. We don't get to forty seven percent until we get to
0: Sienna at forty seven.
1: So, yeah, so I I wasn't, I'm not trying to like throw you under the bus here. I'm just like, no, no.
0: I, and I I was genuinely curious, but it just you know when you look at the average college basketball game, you'll see you know the winning team you know will shoot between 45-50, and the losing team will probably be in that forty to forty five something like that. Um, you know, teams will have an off night or teams will have a night like Oklahoma State. The, I think it was against K State, they shot like 57 or 60. Like it was, they made the last 13 I shots to end the game. Last,
1: like, yeah. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. Like I, as uh, as I mentioned, I urge, urge people to. Is
1: Fordham who hits 32%. To,
0: like I said, I urge people to watch the game with a little bit <laughs> less of. Why did that shot not go in? It just happens, man. It just, mm-hmm. it does. It's frustrating, but that's just kind of the way basketball works. And it can be frustrating when you see 13 wide-open shots not go no in, but eventually those 13 shots will go in. You know, it's just a matter of when they fall and when they don't. Um, Oklahoma State is a good, athletic, and decent shooting team. They're going to have their nights where their lights out. They're going to have their nights where they struggle, just like every other team in college basketball. It's just the way it is. There's a reason why the best shooter – like. And people want to try and think like, oh, the NBA, they should Well, yes, because the best shooters on every college basketball team are all on one team together. Congratulations. Like, you're, there's a reason why they're in the NBA and we're watching Oklahoma State, right? There, there is a significant difference in a significant drop-off. And this is still a good team. I'm not trying to knock them at all. Yeah. But, but I do want to talk about Coach Boyden real quick. And I, I have gotten a little more critical this season... And I, people still want to talk about the young coach argument with him when we see miscues on offense or poorly drawn-up plays at the end of a game like the end of the TCU game. Or we see these leads happen, like these blown leads happen after time. You know, it calls a timeout and nothing changes. You know, and I understand the young coach argument year one, year two. total. He was a 35-year-old head coach of a Division one basketball program. I get it. Totally. This is year four. He is still young in the term that he, he's not even 40 years old yet. But this is you are now this is now year four as a division one coach. At some point you got to figure it out. We can't keep seeing the same mistake we've seen for three or four years now. And we've seen that at times he's awesome at a timeouts so, at times. And then other times we're like, what, what is going on? When the team's in the middle of a, a rut, a shooting slump. And it's a 10-0 run and it calls timeout and nothing changed, and we don't see any changes offensively or defensively. It's it's a little bit of a head scratcher. And I love Coach Morton. I've run through a wall for that guy. He can recruit his ass off, and he obviously can coach these dudes up and get the most out of them night in, night out. And we've seen that even with some of those bad teams like year two, year three. But I just I have my doubts at times, but then he but then he it's like the Dumb and dumb quote. We're like, how could you do something so terrible and then redeem yourself? Like, it's like, that's exactly how the Kansas game felt. Like, they blow a 16-point lead and then they get two great possessions at the end of the game, a great defensive possession at the end of winning. Like, that, that's coaching right there for Bryce Williams to know to jump that lane, you know, at the end of the game. So we're seeing a little bit of the volatility with Coach Boynton as well. I understand this is a weird year and, you know, things are a little odd, but, I want to see him take the next step, too, just like I want to see this program, just like the, the team on the floor, too. There is a lot of the things that we've seen on the court this year. There is some of it that is on the team, I, I think, at a certain point. You know, you need to lean on your leaders like and okay, Ice, nice. but at some point, it's coaching as well. There, there is equal blame when we see some of these bad losses uh, that we've seen to this point. And I don't think one is more to blame than the other. It's just kind of the way this season has gone. And I want to see Coach Boyd take the next step because he's a really good coach. And I want him to be here for the long haul. But if he can't continue to take these steps that we feel is necessary to get this program to a consistent tournament level, then I don't know where we're at. I'm not gonna try I'm not trying to call for his head, obviously. I'm not that dumb, but at some point, I want to see that him take that next step. Am I like am my off base here? I feel like I'm kind of talking in circles, but
1: I think all your points are valid. I also think the the amount of the amount of challenges that he has faced. I think that's completely, that's completely
0: fair. Too. Yeah,
1: the, the, the issues of attrition with the roster. I mean, you're sitting here with the roster with one guy who's been here for more than for longer than last season um i think i think that all plays into it i mean he hasn't had a consistent roster you've had too many numbskulls and dumb dums do stuff to have to get kicked off the team Mm -hmm. um you've had you've had changes at your assistant coaching positions um i mean you've had star players who were dumb dumbs. you you have to deal with the fact that your top hand-picked assistant got arrested by the fbi you're dealing with like i I would like for him to be able to have like two seasons without massive roster attrition and 800 and some massive problem on the program that just lets him coach and not, not just be overwhelmed with all these other things. I, I, th- I don't think he's going anywhere anytime soon.
0: I don't think so. Either.
1: Barring a collapse this year where they just lose out or the program falls apart next year. Or there's some other new scandal a you're not hiring anybody else with everything that oklahoma state's facing because of the fbi nonsense and the ncaa um so i, I think he's here i think he's going to get his opportunities i think i think i'm good with him being here and i yeah. i get it I, he has to he has to do better as well i think he knows that um so I, look he's not blameless for roster attrition he's not blameless for numbskulls. skulls he's not blameless but it's not all, like, some of it. at certain points, like, it's not his fault some bunch of kids want to go shoot BB guns at, at a house party. Like, he didn't, it's not his fault for that happening. So I, it's not his fault that his top assistant was a scummy guy, which I don't want to get into it. Um, so
0: I, it also helps to be really likable. <laughs> yes. And, and again, do like, he, you see? We watch those videos. Like, I watch those videos. I always wait for him whenever Oklahoma State wins, and they post a little minute, minute and a half clip of him talking to team after the game. And I'm like, how can you not like this guy? Like, who would not want to go play for him? And I mean, Kate Cunningham has talked ad nauseum. Boynton was the reason he wanted to come to Oklahoma State. He yeah. could have gone to the G League and made half a million dollars. And he wanted to come to Oklahoma mm-hmm. State because he wanted to be coached by Mike Boynton. And this is where I want to transition into talking about the team itself. We talked a lot about the schedule, you know, what has happened, results of games, mentioned some players, but it's also the first time I talked about basketball in about two weeks. So this is going to be a meaty basketball part of the podcast, if you can't tell, because we're like 40 minutes in. But we'll start start with Cade. He's a fascinating player in that he is one of the most complete players I've seen in college basketball in a very long time. We've seen guys like Zion that are just electric and can just make highlight reel plays after highlight reel play. Some guys like Trey Young that can go and just drop 35 in their sleep. And I can name a couple of, but you know, Lonzo Ball, it was just fascinating to watch at UCLA, also because his dad was his dad. But Kay does it in a way that I don't think people like people, I don't think he's fully appreciated by Oklahoma State fans because we expect the him to go 30 and 10 every single night that's just not what he does and I and he's still having a ridiculous year he's still averaging 18 points a game with like six assists and four rebounds and two steals and two ball he's Isaac likely to uh, to about level like he's Isaac likely taken to about level 11. he's gonna stuff the statue he's gonna play good defense he's gonna go and get his he's a decent enough shooter but he's going to get his teammates involved. He's going to rebound the ball as, as a 6'8 guard, which is still absurd to say. He's going to lock down one of four positions on the floor because he's a really good defender. You know, He's going to do that every night. And he doesn't have to score to impact the game. And I think that's also something that I, I urge fans to look at. You do not have to score to impact the game. And I get, and it goes back to I think people wanting and thinking Cage is going to go and drop twenty seven, and he sure as hell can. But like the Kansas State game is a perfect example. Put like thirty some odd minutes, get five points on three shots. Yeah, but he also had six assists, six rebounds, three blocks, two steals. Played great defense, got his teammates involved, and was still the best player on the floor and attracted a ton of attention. You know, it, it's just the way the game goes. But he he does it in such a fascinating way. And, you know, I don't think he's going to be fully appreciated until he leaves and we see the type of attention that has gone from the floor when he's not there. But he's still the best player on the floor every single night.
1: So so let me – a couple things. I think part of the not appreciated is the timing. Football season just ended. Focus has just come on basketball, um, and you were watching them blow leads, right? So it's, it's hard to be excited about a guy when you're losing. I think that's the other thing that plays into this Kansas win. And I think it also plays into how they won this game, because it wasn't because Cade Cunningham shot them out of it or scored them out of it. It's the play that got them the lead back was a block by Cade Cunningham, who then runs, leaps out, perfectly executes a toss, to his guy who's smart enough to pass it up. So it is, it's that stuff and those kinds of plays that now that's getting played on social media by every, every sports thing possible, Oklahoma state's put in every college basketball, Twitter accounts playing it every over OSU, anything is playing it. Now the focus is going to be able to be more on him. Now the focus will be able to be more on him and what he does. And I think that that, what you're saying is inaccurate. I think it's going to come. I do. I think it's already coming. It just needed its moment, right? Um, it's weird to see a guy who's this good who can take over games, but would prefer not. It is a, and I'm not saying he's LeBron. When people get mad at LeBron being passive, it's not because he's passive. It's a guy who understands the importance of getting his teammates involved and isn't a, a ball hog.
0: That is Kate. I'm not saying he's LeBron. Don't, don't, don't. But no, do he that knows when to crap. pick his, his spots. Okay. Him. I'm, all right, let, give me these two minutes. I'll go get it. I'll go drop ten. Let's go. Like it's yes. that. Yeah, that's, that's who he is, and well, I think that's what makes him so special. I think
1: he's here's my my two my two complaints with K. He still turns the ball over too much. He's still a little bit too loosey with the ball. And two, it's it's a it's a minimal complaint and less a complaint more an observation. I think he still has trouble finding the right spots for when to be the facilitator and when to be the aggressor. Yes. And that's a learning thing. He's a true freshman in college. He'll figure that out. Now, it may be year two or three in the NBA, but he'll figure that out. But if he can figure out that a little bit more while at Oklahoma State, that will make OSU that much better. Now, it also plays off the fact that OSU doesn't have a bunch of shooters, which doesn't really help when you have a guy who can facilitate as well as he does because he can get the ball to anybody he wants. If they can't shoot it or are too hesitant to shoot it, it's not going to matter. But – it's still something he's going to figure out because I think he still doesn't quite know the right times to take over. And if Boynton and him can figure that out and work on figuring that out together to the point where it's all right, now it's time. This is it right here. Not, Oh, okay. We need you to no, Got it. Done. Look out. Because then he'll be putting up the kinds of points to make people go, Oh, he's not just the best freshman in America. He's the best player in America.
0: Yeah. And you can also see, when the light, he's another guy you, that when the lights are the brightest, uh, he's going to have his moments. And I think the Kansas game is a perfect example. And I think that was, I, damn it, I wish that game was not on ESPN+. And the thing is, that, mo, that moment of him getting the block and just throw out the dime, running out of bounds, perfect to Bryce Williams in the middle of the floor, like that would be, I mean, it would be even more viral than it went. And that's it was, what's, that's what's it crazy. was
1: number eight on SportsCenter's top ten. I was just like, like
0: come eight? on, man. Come on. Uh,
1: I do think, though, that game came at the perfect time for a number of things, and that being one of them. Uh, it does think that Oklahoma State, Kansas, was on ESPN Plus, but it is what it is. We'll get plenty more opportunities.
0: But it, um, and I think that will this weekend, and I think because – and th- this is going to – I'm going to go back to Coach Gordon for just a second. This, this is pretty. If you watch that video, he talks about OU being just as important as Kansas, and he's and when he talked he said this, this one's just as important. Did you watch that? Did you watch that video? What he said to Bernard Kuma Oh yeah, you did. He, so he goes, it just you know we don't like them. It's personal. The A that coach that gets it at Oklahoma State. B, you know you're going to get another good K game. Because he's going to want to show up and beat Oklahoma, because that's what Coach Boyden wants to do, and he uh, and if he's has bought into what Oklahoma State is about, we're going to get a twenty and ten and eight type of game, not, or even more than that. I think, like, and especially because this game is going to be on ESPN two, I think, because it's still a nationally televised audience. People are going to tune into ESPN two to watch Cade Cunningham play. It's another one of those games. when the lights are on. You know, you know that dude's going to show up. Now when the moment is big, you know that he's gonna show up.
1: Trying to see what other games are on at the same time. Yeah, and there's there's gonna be more opportunities. I wish oh, he's got a couple of ABC games. Uh, they've got one against Texas, one bedlam, the last bedlam is gonna be on ABC. So like there's plenty of other opportunities here. Um and I at this point, just win and get to the tournament. Yes. I, I'm. I still am predicting that they're not going to. I'm sorry. It's probably negative. I don't care. Um, just do it. Just do it.
0: Yeah. And I mean, and what, what's fascinating about this team too is, Kane's obviously who he is, and we've seen the moments that he's had that are just spectacular. It's it's incredible to watch that guy play, and I'm going to enjoy the hell out of every minute because when I watch him get drafted to the NBA in the top three, uh, I'm going to I'm going to enjoy my time watching him. But Isaac likely still straw that serves the drink for this team on both ends of the floor. That last night may not have shown it necessarily because he, you know, kind of he was a little passive offensively. But he was in statue, 10, 8, and 6. That's exactly what he gets you just about every single night. When he's at has still on the frame for Shell, sure. he's a linebacker masquerading as a point guard, which is still true and hilarious. But when he's rolling, and he's the leader on the floor. I'm going to talk about he is the vocal leader of this team, on both ends. The offense can still the offense still runs through him in a lot of spots. Cade will Cade will defer and go off the ball and let Ice do his thing. When I, when Isaac Blythe is going downhill against another guard, no one's stopping him. He's getting to the rack to get fouled or make a layup. He's shooting over sixty percent on the season. He is. I think if you if you talk to someone that has never watched Oklahoma State basketball before, and they ask, "What's Oklahoma State basketball like?" Just watch thirteen. He is, I think, more than any other player I've watched. And, you know, and I, Marcus Smart, awesome player. I think he is the living embodiment of like what Oklahoma State basketball is. Mm-hmm. He has that kind of Tony Allen in him, you know, just that grind father. I'm going to lock you down on defense. I'll go and get my 10, my 10, 12 points a game, but I'm going to go and rebound, get eight or nine rebounds. And I'm going to go and get five or six assists and a couple steals and a block or two. Oh, and I'm going to lock you up on defense. Have a great time. Like he is becoming one of my favorite players ever. Don the orange and black because it's just, he played like, he's a dude that I'm sure Eddie Sutton as you know, when he was able to watch him for oh. a couple of years, loved. Mr. Yeah. Iba would have loved the hell on Isaac likely. Mm-hmm. That's why I think Mm -hmm. he's so much fun to watch. And he's not the best player on the floor most nights. He's not necessarily special, quote-unquote. But the dude just plays Oklahoma State basketball, and it just fits. Like, he just fits the culture of what this program has been built on. And it's so fun to watch.
1: I'll keep saying it. Cade Cunningham is Oklahoma State's best player. Isaac Lackley is its most important. Without
0: absolutely right.
1: Yeah. Uh, you need them both, and, and you need both those guys. Um, and he stepped up. Boynton said, you know, a few weeks ago, he, they needed they needed to get Isaac Likely more involved, especially offensively. At one point, he was averaging like nine points a game at 12.1. He leads the team in rebounds. Let me repeat that for you Isaac Likely leads the team in rebounds at 7.8, Russell Westbrook style. Uh, he is one assists behind Kate Cunningham. he also turns the ball over less than Craig does he has a higher field goal percentage I can't shoot free throws to save his life but you know most of this team can't it's (laughs) so uh, look and he's what did we talk about before the season when it came to likely what did we say about him in three point shooting I don't need him to take a lot he's going to be be effective he's 6 of 12 he has the highest three-point field goal percentage on the team.
0: On twelve attempts, but yes, don't care. Twelve attempts, I'm, uh, but that's all yeah. I want from. him. I don't need him like to shoot. That's the thing. It make, shoot one or two a game. Make yourself a threat, yep. and if you knock down the one, then they have to defend it. They have yes. to honor it. Yes, and that's he did I'm that around. last night. And it, they, they didn't. Uh, whoever was guarding, I need to know who it was. But whoever was guarding him was like, okay, shoot it. And he did. And he made it. Yep. Like, that teams are going to have to recognize that now, that he is at least a threat to shoot the ball. And if he can do that, I mean, my God, he's going to be like Lou Dort in the in end. The, he, he is Lou Dort in college basketball at this point. And Lou Dort might be the greatest basketball player of all time. After
1: this. Uh, <laughs> we, we got into football, but I want to wrap on this. There's one guy that needs to be acknowledged, and I, I want to do it this way. Who do you think – I'm going to say a number of things. And I want you to tell me who you think this is. He has the second-highest three-point percentage field goal field goal percentage. He has the second-highest – tied with the second-best free-throw shooter. He is the second-highest field goal percentage, period. Uh, and he is third on the team in score points per game. Who do you think I'm talking about? Avery Anderson. If I told you those things were true last year, would you have believed me?
0: Hell no. No.
1: no one awesome, one of the sophomore class to me has improved more than Avery Anderson. And I don't mean that like everyone else has just not done much. The Boone Twins have gotten better. Chris Harris hasn't played. He's been hurt. Um no one has shown more improvement than Avery Anderson. He was fun to watch at times last year and a chaotic nightmare for OSU and others. His improvement this year, and as he continues to improve this season, if he is be- can become that third kind of guy for them, and the next point, and the point guard of the next few years for Oklahoma State, which is really what he's supposed to be, right? Like, that's his that's his thing. When Cade and Likely are gone after this season, they, we know Kate is. I would expect Likely does. Avery Anderson gets handed the ball. To sh- see what he's been doing this year compared to what he was last year, night and day difference. I mean, oh night and freaking
0: day difference. Difference from a shooting perspective, my thing with him, he remember he had that little hitch in his shot last year, it's almost gone now, it's still there a little bit, but it's not near as pronounced, which has obviously helped his accuracy. He's still quick, he's still twitchy, he's still fast. He's, I mean, it's still a little bit of a chaotic nightmare at times, but on that's on the defensive end. He ate Bryce Thompson's lunch yesterday. Oh my god, Bryce Thompson broke his finger. He did. That's unfortunate. But before that, Isaac likely like that. You Bryce Thompson was on, not even on the floor. Like he wasn't even a threat with the ball at that, like at that point. But to see what he's doing on the offensive end too. I never thought he was going to be a starter for this team, At least early on, not even this year. I thought he was still going to be a sixth, seventh guy off the bench at best. Mm-hmm. A backup point guard that was going to give some juice defensively do give you four, six points a game offensively. You know, just kind of give you know, be a little bit of a stopgap while Cade gets a break or something like that. He's a starter, and he and when you get this four guard lineup in there with Bryce Williams, who's been awesome on both ends, uh, one of the most like dynamic players I think Open State's had in really a really long time, like when it comes to just that pure athleticism more than anything, and then at the at least at the guard position, and then you get likely Cade, Bryce, Avery, and then Moncrief, like that's a Freakishly athletic lineup, and especially mm-hmm. a four-guard lineup. And Moncrief is still kind of coming into into his own. You see the flashes of it at times. And I love his aggressiveness. He may not, <laughs> he may look chaotic at times, but I will never, I, the thing is, That's I will, that, yes, all the time, but I will never take that away from that kid uh-huh. because when he figures it out, have fun trying to stop him. But my thing with him, he has no fear, like none. He, Moncrief will go, he wanted the biggest dude on the floor on every, every, and he's trying to score because he thinks he can. Like, I will never take that away from that kid. Also, I have like a huge man crushing Wanda Walker. I don't know about you, but that guy has more juice than just about anybody on this team.
1: I'll say this. I know Ken Cunningham won't be here next year and I bet likely won't. And obviously Bryce Williams and, and Farron Flavors won't, but, um, if they keep everybody else and whatever they can add to this team, I don't know how good this team will be next year, but they're going to be a lot of fun. With the Boone Twins, Moncrief, Walker, and Avery, Chris Harris healthy. We haven't seen – we literally haven't, like, seen Donovan Williams do anything. Um, and he was a nice piece of this class. Like, this team – should be fun
0: next year if nothing else oh yeah we're obviously going to talk more basketball we have a little bit of the football kind of put a little bit of a bow in the 2020 season and do we have have time for that do we depends on your your choice man
1: Uh, oh what time where are we at here we're almost at an hour okay well let's we don't have time to do this. Don't have time, we probably we don't have time to do this justice. We don't have time to do that's, this right. Like that's
0: fair. We're going to have to
1: like cram yeah. through. So why don't we save our, our Big 12 uh, 2020 football awards for next time we can actually do it Do it. Sounds justice. good.
0: Yeah. We, we, I, think we, oh, I think we overestimated how, or underestimated how much time talking about two weeks of college basketball was going to take because uh, there was a lot to talk about with this team. Yeah. Um, well worth it, though. Like This team is so really fun. This team is so really good. I am so excited for Saturday. I'm actually going to the game. I am ridiculously excited for that. Um, shout, shout out to my my sister got uh, my wife and I tickets because she was like, I want to babysit EJ, so you guys go to the game. Said, cool. Thanks.
1: Uh, very cool. Uh, so a few pieces of of just catching up on news, obviously – I don't remember when we recorded last. Uh, offensive line adjust Sills is coming back for next year, which is huge for this offensive
0: line. I thought um, it's the next day, like the pods went up, season. and then he announced. I think that's yeah. how it went.
1: Because I literally was on the pod. I was like, I don't think he's going to come back. And then he came back. And I was like, Well, I'm dumb, but that's fine. I'll admit it. That's um, huge for this offensive line. Like, I, you're going to be very excited about the offensive line because it's a really young group with a lot of young guys who are going to have played a lot this year, and so with. With him coming back, that's massive. Um, obviously, you lose to Colby, Harville, Peel, and Cameron Murray, um, which, you know, Peel, not a shot at Murray in any way, shape, or form, but uh, Peel leaving, it's not a shocker, but it it it, it would have been nice to see him play again. However, I will say this. I put my, my five predictions for 2021 up on the site uh, last week. I'm feeling really good about my prediction that OSU is going to have the highest number of draft picks in a year under the Gundy era uh, with Colby Harville Peel announcing. I do, I feel, feel real good about that. Uh, with that announcement, I think was Amon, had Amon already announced before we recorded?
0: I, believe I don't think, so. I think, I don't he, think he did, but I think we all just kind of assume. So Amon's think,
1: gone as well. Yeah. Uh, so I, I feel good about, so the most, uh, the most draft picks, Really in the modern NFL draft era, which is partially during the Gundy, um, has been four Brooklyn State in one draft class. I think they get more than four this year. Um, because I feel like I remember about this. So let's, let's run down the list. Uh, I think Tevin Jenkins, Tylen Wallace, Chuba Hubbard, and Rodarius Williams are I think Rodarius Williams among that group, those are locks. You throw in uh Colby Harbaugh Peel and you throw in Eamon Omega I think OSU gets at least five. Now, a few of those are probably going to be in the back end of the draft, but I don't care. This might be Oklahoma State's biggest draft class um, of the modern draft era and during the Mike Gundy era. So that'll be fun to watch. Be very excited to hear OSU mentioned a lot during the draft. That'll be cool. Um, obviously, D. Anderson announced he's back in the transfer portal. So you lose him, still waiting on um, so with all that said, all of that was to fast forward to this point. Um, the guys you're still kind of waiting on, since Trace Trey Sterling, we know is coming back, are L.D. Brown, um, Logan Carter, uh, Devin Harper, I get the feeling he might be gone, uh, which means this is going to go live and he's going to have to come back. So, uh, Fofana, Devin. Uh, we know Just is, we know Malcolm Rodriguez is, and that leaves Tay Martin, who we think is. Um, everybody who's coming back, if, if everybody else who might come back is icing on the cake at this point. Because um, the more and more I look at this roster, the more i next year could be. Not like, holy crap, they're contending for the champion, the title, the eventual title. More just like, team might be kind
0: of next year yeah it'll be interesting to see the way the rest of this roster shakes out while we we'll talk about that because you have your big tracker which makes it easier for us to talk about it
1: hello google spreadsheet you are my best friend all
0: right
1: um last piece of news uh big 12 baseball i know that gets your heart pumping uh last news was that they could go to four game weekend series that has not become official that was not voted on on tuesday by the athletic directors sounds like it'll be get voted on next tuesday uh non-conference is up to the schools and it sounds like it's going to happen a uh, little rock euler put out their schedule for 2021 and it looks like there's a two-game midweek series in Stillwater in late february 22nd 23rd so that is fun um so we'll just Keep, keep an eye on that. I'm pumped for baseball schedule because, sir, we're, we're going to have to meet at O'Brate.
0: Oh, dude, are you kidding me? Of course we are. Yes, that's going to have to happen. Like, still, still the weeds in the gap band. Like, inject that in my veins, please.
1: We – it should, that needs to be like the first – forget football. The first official Cowboys ride for free like tailgate is going to be at O'Brate Stadium.
0: That – yes, I, I need that in my life for sure. Um,
1: if you're listening to this, just, tap make it, it just get over
0: it. Yeah. All right. My final thought. Um, I don't know. I mentioned this last year. My wife and I have season tickets to cowboy wrestling. This past weekend was the A quad with Chattanooga, Oregon State, and uh, Arkansas Little Rock. Oregon State did not wrestle them, but they are wrestling in your neck of the woods against them on Sunday. I'm hoping you have the opportunity to go to that because this team is really fun. Um, they they beat Chattanooga I believe like thirty two to nine. They beat Oregon State thirty two to eight. It was they, they lost both matches at one thirty three and one fifty seven. They're still trying to kind of find their guys there, mainly waiting on Dayton Fix to come back at one thirty three from his uh, USADA suspension, which I believe is up on February tenth. So he will for sure be ready for Bedlam on February twenty first, which is going to be awesome. But this team is really good. They have a great mix of youth and and experience. Booba Wallen at one forty nine. Uh, won by bonus points in both of his matches and won by tech ball, uh, which means he won by 15 or more points in both his matches. Uh, he is going to be an all American type uh, be a legitimate competitor at 149 in nationals. Travis Woodlake at 165, same thing. There are three freshmen in the lineup that are really <laughs> awesome to watch. Uh, Trevor, this dude's name is Trevor Mastro Giovanni, uh, 125, kid out of New Jersey. Uh, He won both his matches, a minor decision in both, but you could see the talent he has early on. Uh, He's going to be really fun. Dustin Plott out of Tuttle, Oklahoma, 174, won bonus point matches in both of his. And the main guy in this class was AJ Ferrari at 197. Uh, For one, he's 18 years old, built like a brick shithouse, and won both his matches by uh, by bonus points. Uh, I believe it was a tech ball in his second match. Uh the only points he gave he didn't give up a takedown in either match. Uh all of his points, the only points that the other guy scored were when AJ let him up on an escape, like purposely just let the guy up so he could take him back down again. It was just I mean, it was just unfair. It's like what? And yes, it that it was fascinating. He it was it was two to one in his first match in the middle of the first period, and he just let the guy up. Or he was up to nothing. He was like, Oh, okay, I'll let you up take back, take down 15 seconds later. I mean, it's absurd. And it's funny because I tried to make some comparison between watching Cade Cunningham, and Ferrari, because they're both top freshmen in their respective class and their respective sport. But they both have this sort of like smooth aggression with which they play and which they... Because when you watch Ferrari wrestle, it's just very quiet, very kind of... He just kind of rolls his opponent to sleep and then take down just that fast. It's, it's kind of... It's insane. That's a dude that's going to win national titles at Oklahoma State. I call. I'll call that now. Maybe I might not be this year. I don't know. Um, he just ended up in the uh, top twenty-five of his class. So I think he's like eighteen. But I think it was just because they were letting him win a couple of matches. To that he's going to be a legit top ten wrestler, one ninety-seven for the remainder of this season. All-American, have a chance like Dayton Fix to win a national title as a true freshman. He's going to be a ton of fun to watch over the next four years. And his brothers are also going to come to Oklahoma State, so that's going to be fun to watch too. Like, it's going to be a Ferrari dynasty in Stillwater for sure. Yeah,
1: it's going to happen.
0: Yeah, but this seems a ton of fun to watch. I'll try and give a little bit more depth and try and uh, try and give a little more analysis to the wrestling as much as I can. It's also kind of cool because it was my son who is uh, three and a half months old. We took him to the duel as well, and uh, he was fine because we put his headphones on. He saw the Jumbotron. He was good to go. We <laughs> didn't just stare at that the whole time. Very
1: nice. Uh, wrap up on this. Texas Tech went on the road. They beat Texas.
0: Mac McClung did his thing, I believe, is what I just saw.
1: Um, let's see. He wasn't their leading scorer. He was not, but he got the game winner. Oh, well then. Yeah, that's a very. McCl- no, he was their leading scorer. He had 12. He had 22. He was 6 of 14. Uh, 8 of 10 for the line, 22 points. McClung, Texas Tech. Went on the road, down ten and a half, and won seventy nine seventy seven in Austin. So that uh, that Texas Tech win just got better.
0: There we go. Always and good. I have to go
1: back on my pod and be like, well, I guess Texas Tech's pretty good.
0: <laughs> we'll find out, man. They've been so up and down them so far. I don't know. I
1: think that's just it. I think they're an up and down team
0: this year. Yeah, but I mean, they have Chris Beard. Chris Beard's a really damn good coach. They're gonna they're gonna even out at some point. I'm sure. Yeah, we'll be back next week. We will finally, as we were supposed to do on this episode before we talk about basketball for an hour, uh, put a bow on the 2020 football season. We'll give out our uh, Cowboy football awards for this season. Uh, there'll be more hoops to talk about. We'll, we'll figure out what the, way, the rest of this episode. Philip and I just kind of flat by the seat of our pants about Monday trying to figure out what the hell we're going to talk about. So we'll find out together what we come up with on Tuesday. We'll talk to you all then. Have a good one, everybody.